Before we begin today's episode, I would like to recommend a history podcast that I've been listening to, and that is 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. This is a fast-paced, well-presented, and well-researched podcast that covers a wide range of historical topics. Most recently, the podcast has released a fascinating interview with British author Andy Thomas on his new book, Conspiracies, which is about some of the largest historical conspiracies in the world. Other episodes of the podcast have focused on the Middle Ages and World War II, always bringing a new aspect of history to life. 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries is hosted by John Hagedorn and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the same places you can listen to this podcast. I'll include a link to the show in the description of this episode and implore you to check it out. Do be sure to subscribe to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries via the link in the description below. Hello and welcome to the History of Vikings. Today I'll be speaking with Dr. Leszek Gardella, a guest researcher at the German Academic Exchange Service at the Department of Archaeology, History, Cultural Studies, and Religion at the University of Bergen, Norway. Dr. Gardella is an archaeologist and a Viking Age specialist. He is the creator of a project called Amazons of the North, Armed Females in Viking Age Archaeology and Old Norse Literature. Dr. Gardella, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm delighted to have you on the podcast, and I feel as though perhaps our conversation is a little overdue. I've been an admirer of your research for quite some time, and I know you've been uh, familiar with the podcast, so it's great to finally get to speak to you. Well, you know, Viking warrior women, that is a subject which in the field of Viking studies and even in more contemporary news has certainly um, perhaps taken the world by storm and really shed a lot of light on Viking studies and really the role of women during the Viking Age. And it's got a lot of people asking questions, and a lot of people have been turning to archaeologists such as yourself to find the answer. Now, in a few moments, we're going to be discussing your project, Amazons of the North. And this is indeed a very broad subject. But my first question today is this Viking warrior women. Based off of the archaeological evidence that we have available, and other evidence as well, is it fair or unfair to say that women regularly participated as warriors during the Viking Age? Mm, this is a very interesting question. Um, from my research, from what I can say based on my, my current work, I believe that some women occasionally took part in military activities, but I don't think this was very common. In the Viking world, that is in Scandinavia, but also elsewhere in Europe. Okay. Now, what are our primary sources for this notion of them occasionally participating? Is it archaeology? Have people turned to Old Norse literature as well to find the answer? Mm, in, in researching the topic of warrior women, um, scholars have looked at different categories or different types of sources. Um, I'm an archaeologist by profession, but I also have uh, quite a lot of background in Old Norse studies and in, in looking at iconography. So I combine all these three 
different strands of research and these different sources together to to paint a more nuanced picture of this warrior women uh, phenomenon. Okay, interesting. And and what are sort of our key sources, the giveaway signs for the idea that um, there were occasional Viking warrior women? Mm, I, as an archaeologist, I've uh, spent the last year or even more actually looking at um, archaeological examples of potential uh, female warriors. And um, I spent I spent a year at the University of Bergen, um, and I researched uh, quite a lot of Norwegian archaeological connections, looking for female graves that contain weapons and graves that can potentially be interpreted as those of of female warriors. And as a result of this museum-based survey, um, I've been able to find around twenty to thirty. Um, female graves that contain weapons or objects that could be used as weapons um, all around Scandinavia, so from Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and other places. Um, The problem with many of those graves is that uh, they were excavated quite a long time ago, uh, in the 19th century, in the early 20th century, and they were often excavated to a very low standard, so to say. They were excavated by by amateurs, by farmers, by people who were hunting for antiquities and who were, in many cases, not really interested in the archaeological context, something that's very important for us today. They were interested in in objects only. Um, Fortunately, many of the finds found their way to museum collections where, where they are still preserved but a lot of information has been lost in this in this process. So what I was trying to do during my time in, in Bergen, I was trying to um, find probable examples of female graves with weapons. Um, I examined all their contents very carefully. So I not only looked at the weapons, but I also looked at every other object uh, those graves contained. And at this stage of my project, I'm trying to come up with with some plausible interpretations of of this material. Fascinating. Now, is there particular examples of these graves that are most interesting to you and that are the most telling in terms of Viking warrior women and their existence? Hmm. Um, There are several graves in Norway that uh, are pretty good candidates. Um, One of the graves is a grave that has recently received quite a lot of attention in the media but also in the recent National Geographic documentary. It's a grave from eastern Norway. Uh, It was found in the 1900s, early 1900s, by a a farmer and unprofessionally excavated. So by the time uh, the archaeologists had arrived at the site, everything had already been removed from its original context. But nonetheless, the, the farmer was able to explain how the different objects had been placed in the grave uh, when he was excavating it. Um, And this grave appears to be a grave of a woman, um, about 18, 19 years old, so quite a a young individual, surrounded or flanked by different kinds of weapons. So the grave had a sword, an axe, a set of arrows. Uh, There was also a shield, and this individual was actually, uh, the body was laid over over the shield, so that's quite unusual in Viking Age uh, burials. 
And the same grave also had a horse, and this horse was placed at the foot of, of, this, of this person. So a very rich grave, um, you could say, uh, with everything um, a warrior would need in, in combat, even more. Basically, every type of weapon we know from the Viking Age is in this grave. A sword, an axe, arrowheads, and a shield. And also a spear, actually. I forgot to mention there's also a spearhead in the, in the grave. How interesting. Well, you know, it has been argued, Leszek, that um, perhaps one of the reasons why a, a woman of the Viking Age has been buried with weaponry is not because they participated in warfare as female warriors, but rather because those weapons were, oh, I don't know, you know, symbols of something that their family held on to. Perhaps their family, you know, that was the daughter of a chieftain and they came from a heavily militaristic background. What do you make of this notion? And um, is there any other argument that could be reasonably presented for why a woman would be buried with weapons? Mm. Um, there is this phrase every archaeologist today knows very well, that the dead don't bury themselves. And we always have to be careful in approaching uh, funerary evidence and in sort of trying to make inferences about the identities of the deceased based on the objects they are buried with. And a lot of scholars today would disagree with the idea that weapons in graves signal warrior identities. And I'm, I'm actually on, on that side of the, of the academic spectrum. I'm also rather careful in, in um, using the term warrior and using the label warrior for, for every uh, single grave with weapons. We know very well that weapons were buried with, with men, with women, but they were also buried with very young children uh, who would have been unable to wield them. And they were also buried with, with elderly uh, people. So indeed, weapons in graves do not necessarily signal warrior status. They can be signals of prestige, of power. They could be uh, objects that refer to something that a certain individual had done in their life um, when they wielded considerable power or memories of the past. There's many ways we can interpret weapons. Um, in some ways, Old Norse literature can also help us in, in understanding what, what weapons could have meant in the Viking Age. Um, one example that I often like to refer to comes from a somewhat forgotten saga. It's not very well known. Um, the saga is called Ljósvetninga saga, and it takes place in the north of Iceland. And in this saga, there's a story of a man who one day decides to visit a sorceress and ask, uh, ask her to give a prophecy. And he finds this woman sitting in front of her house. She is dressed in trousers. She's got a helmet on her head, and she's also holding an axe. She agrees to give, uh, give her prophecy, and she gets up and she starts to walk towards a nearby fjord. And as she walks, dressed like a man in this helmet and in trousers and holding an axe, she begins to grow in stature. She gets bigger and bigger, which could be interpreted as a signal that she's somewhat supernatural. And then she walks into, into the water and she strikes the water twice with her axe. And when she does it the second time, the water turns all bloody. 
which is, of course, a bad omen that bad things um, will happen. And so in this case, we can see a cross-dressing woman who wields a weapon and who effectively uses a weapon, but not in a military context. She uses it for, for prophecy. Um, so this is yet another possibility to, uh, to interpret weapons in female graves or weapons in connection with women, that some of them, and axes in particular, uh, could have been used as ritual objects for, for magic. Interesting. And I, I, if I just may uh, jump in there, that's really interesting. So you're talking about, you know, magic and, you know, shamanism and all these other things which occurred during the Viking Age. Do we see women as beholding certain spiritual roles? That is, in, in terms of Old Norse religion, do we see women acting as these sort of magicians, for lack of a, a better term? Is that something that uh, was a role commonly practiced by women? Absolutely. We don't know how commonly this was practiced by women or how many women actually practiced this, this kind of magic, but we know that women were those who, for whom this magic was, was, uh, was characteristic. So when we look into Old Norse literature, we find mentions of women known as völur, um, who were skilled in performing a very particular kind of magic that if we were to interpret it in, in today's terms, we would probably call it a kind of shamanism. And these women had the ability to foresee the future, to shift into animal form, to cast spells, um, to influence uh, people's lives in, in many, many ways through their, uh, through their magic. And what is interesting is that uh, archaeologists have identified a number of probable graves of such women. Uh, and these graves include some ritual paraphernalia, like amulets, like magic staffs. But what is very interesting is that actually some of those graves with amulets and staffs also contain weapons. So this adds an interesting angle to the warrior women and women in war, women and weapons topic. Certainly, certainly. Wow. That is fascinating. Well, I think it's time to get into your project, Amazons of the North, Armed Females in Viking Archaeology and Old Norse Literature. And we've discussed that throughout the podcast thus far. But um, could you just take a moment and sort of introduce us to the research that you've been doing in this new project? Mm -hmm. Project uh, Amazons of the North is an interdisciplinary project uh, that combines archaeology, Old Norse literature, and Viking Age iconography. And the goal of the project is to present a comprehensive um, image of the idea of women and weapons in the Viking Age. Uh, my goal is not to search for warrior women at, at any cost. Uh, my goal is to better understand what weapons meant in female hands. So that's a kind of short, <laughs> short introduction to the, to the project. Um, what I'm doing uh, in the project uh, is I'm, I'm looking at archaeological evidence, such as graves of women buried with weapons. I'm looking at uh, miniature weapons, for example, miniature shields or axes, swords and spears that are often found together with, uh, with women, often, often in graves. 
I'm looking at the corpus of Old Norse literature, saga literature, uh, that often mentions women using weapons for all kinds of different uh, purposes, also in war, but as I mentioned earlier, also for, for magic practices or in an act of revenge, for example. And I'm also looking at iconography, so all kinds of portrayals of armed women that we find in, in the archaeological record. There are portrayals of armed women on textiles. Uh, we see armed women in, we see figurines of armed uh, women. So this is quite a big body of material. And in addition to that, I, I've also spent the last couple of months reading quite a lot of uh, ethnography from basically all around the world. Um, stories of women at war, women who who willingly reach for weapons, who decide to become uh, warriors and engage in military activities. Wow, the really interesting project, and indeed, um, I'll put links to places in the description where people can um, follow your work and find out more about what you're doing. Well, Another question that I have often wondered, Leshik, about Viking warrior women is this. Um, you know, it has been said in the past, and this is a very broad analysis, that men during the Viking Age, talking about the Viking Age home, men during the Viking Age were responsible for those roles mm -hmm. occurring outside the threshold of the home, you know, um, farm work, fighting, hunting, what have you. Whereas Viking women were responsible for those equally important roles occurring within the threshold of the home, managing the household, managing the children, producing textiles, cooking, you know, sewing, everything else like that. In order to allow as a society a woman to become a warrior in certain circumstances, wouldn't that be giving up sort of her role as the manager of the threshold of the home? Perhaps this is only problematic if it occurred on a relatively large scale. So sort of what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. This is an interesting idea. And indeed, it's a, it's a motif uh, that recurs in, in archaeological and in um, literary scholarly works, that men are those who who deal with everything that is outside the threshold and that women uh, stay within the threshold and take care of children, weaving, cleaning, cooking, and so on. Um, this is, to some extent, the image that we find also in Old Norse literature. But if you dig deeply into this, into this literature, it appears actually much more nuanced. Um, and we find women who also have a lot to do and a lot to say in the wider public arena, women who travel to very distant locations, um, women who engage in cross-cultural contacts, in trade. So it's, it's not so clear-cut. And if we look at archaeology, um, we can see that as well. We can see women who travel, we can see um, women who participate in trade, uh, we see women who play important roles in society as uh, ritual specialists or sorceresses who have, in the spiritual sense, some, some kind of uh, ability to manipulate or control the lives of other women and other men, and generally the entire society. Um, so I think, I think both women and men had 
largely equal roles in Viking society. And this is the image that emerges from archaeology combined with textual sources. This is not something that that is so clear from the texts alone. Um, But it is probable that for a woman to um, actively participate in war, to to become a warrior on the battlefield, uh, that she would have had to acquire a somewhat masculine uh, role or masculine appearance. And when we read the sagas, it is often mentioned that those women who engage in in military activities um, change their appearance to look more manly uh, or even change their names for male names. And so what we are looking at is we're looking at women who who become men to be able to participate in war as warriors. And this is interesting because we have very close parallels to this idea from from other cultures, from other places around the world. Um, For example, I've recently been uh, looking at uh, female warriors in the Netherlands in the um, 18th century. And this is a very similar situation because also in that world, women who wanted to take part in war, who wanted to become soldiers, had to pretend uh, to be men and had to dress up as men, change their names, change their identity. Yeah, indeed. Well, that's really, really interesting. Um, How difficult do you think it would have been for a Viking woman to participate in combat and be accepted by her male peers who obviously would have made up the majority of whatever sort of combat unit or raiding party or what have you they would have been a part of. Hmm. I think in this case we can only we can only speculate, but some textual sources again can can give us some hints and also some comparative materials. I think it also depends on the the status of that of that woman. If she was uh, a member of the elite, uh, someone from the royal household, perhaps this would have been easier. And indeed, several um, warrior women that we know of from Old Norse textual sources are members of the elite already. But if she was uh, just a, a common girl, uh, a, a daughter of a of a simple peasant, maybe this would have been much more difficult for her to become a warrior and to become um, accepted among uh, among warriors. Um, of course, I suppose she would have had to prove herself, prove her um, abilities in in wielding weapons and in using them. Um, she would have had to become part of a group, um, accepted as an individual, as a as a woman, and as a as a warrior. Maybe there were some special tests she would have had to pass. We don't know. This is something we can only when only speculate about. And correct me if I'm wrong, but compared to contemporary uh, regions in medieval Europe, those rights of women in Viking Age Scandinavia and Iceland were significantly better. Is that correct? Um, as far as we can tell, yes. But also as regards other places in, in Europe, we often don't really have any textual sources to rely on sources that could could say something more about about the different roles and and 
things women could or could not do. Gotcha. Okay, interesting, interesting. Well, Leszek, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today on the podcast. But before I let you go, um, why don't you just tell all of our listeners where they can find you and follow all of your interesting work? You can find my work on Academia EDU if you just type my name in Google, Leszek Gardella. Um, and you can also follow my website on Facebook, Amazons of the North. Uh, there's also a, a video I recorded uh, during my research in Norway that you can find on YouTube. And if you type Amazons of the North, you will you will find it. Fascinating. And I'll provide links to all of those in the description below. Well, Leszek, thanks so much again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 